The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey there. Before you start listening, please make sure to subscribe to this podcast. This episode contains language and content of an explicit nature. Listener discretion is advised. Before a song is released, a record is produced, or a chorus is written, the musicians that write them think a lot. They live a lot, and they feel a lot. Before the chorus dives into the stories and experiences that shape these artists, and ultimately, the music we hear. I'm your host, Sophia Lopercaro, and this episode's guest is Bombay Bicycle Club. Great things can happen when you go into the unknown and... It took a while for me to get there. Maybe it's just I'm scared of, of it not working out. And so by preparing in advance, you kind of tell yourself that it's all going to be fine. Hey there once again. It's me, Sophia Libercaro, and I'm doing this new thing where I am just going to take some time to talk with you, my, my listeners. Um, just kind of, I guess you could say this is almost like us getting to shoot the shit together or, or hang out. Um, it is very one-sided, unfortunately, because this is a podcast. However, I don't always want it to be one-sided. So if I talk about something in this intro or even during the episode itself that you have an opinion on or you're excited about, feel free to DM me at Before the Chorus Podcast on Instagram and we can totally geek out about it together because, again, I would love that. So a few weeks ago, I got back from spending a month in Europe, um, which I'm very happy and very lucky to have been able to have done. I went on vacation with family in Italy, but I also spent a couple weeks in London. Um, I've definitely talked about this on the podcast before, but I lived in London for a good three and a half years. It's where I started my career as a music interviewer. And it's a place where I have a lot of wonderful friends in the music world, whether that be musicians, other former radio presenters, people at labels. God, this sounds really like a flex and I really don't mean it by that. Um, it's more that I'm just really lucky that, you know, knock on wood, I know really good people in the music world in the UK. Um, just people that love doing what they do that are just as willing to geek out about music as I am and getting to spend time with them is just always so nourishing for the soul. Like when I was in university, which is why I lived in London, I used to volunteer with So Far Sounds London and that was like the really first the first real sense of like community and family that I found when I was living in London and it was very much centered around a mutual love for music, you know, all of us were just so excited to get to support grassroots musicians in the city and through that sort of very warm, genuine love of music, not the sort of like, again, pretentious sort of flex based uh, love of music. We all just became really close. Again, it was just a community of support. So that support that extended to the musicians 
also really extended to each other. And also we all had a very diverse sense uh, or a diverse set of interests within music. So you just also got to hear a lot of music that you wouldn't normally go for yourself just through the other people in the community. It was awesome. And I got to have a lovely reunion with them uh, while I was in London. It's been years since I had seen a lot of them. And as I'm sure you know, like getting to return to people that have made you feel so, you know, cared for is such a special feeling. I also got to go to a lot of gigs, which I feel like is going to be even more interesting to you, hopefully. Um, I get to tell you about some of the really cool artists that I went to go see, people that you should also totally check out yourself. Um, first up, I went to go see my friends Fatherson at, why am I forgetting the name? Oslo. This is what happens when you don't live in a place for a long time. You forget what places are called. Um, but they're a wonderful Scottish band. Also, I don't know what's going on in the Scottish music scene, especially in Glasgow, but those are some of the loveliest people that you will ever meet. There's just something about Scottish people. I think, you know, as much as they're, you know, what very jokey and sweary, which I am too, so that suits me totally fine. There's just, just genuine warmth to them and getting to go and see them perform in front of an audience that was so excited to see them. Like it was such an engaged fan group in the crowd. It just warms your heart. Like, I don't know about you, but I know for me, the bands that I love, especially the ones that I'm watching grow from an earlier point, and especially ones that I know personally, you kind of almost get this like maternal or paternal protectiveness of them like you just want to see them succeed so bad and when you see them have these wins it's just it's just great like you just feel so so wonderful getting to watch that happen it's delightful um and then also just getting to hang out with with your friends that are in bands after a show and just you know drinking and catching up and kind of everyone's like buzzing off the high of how well the show went but also kind of in their just also in their just very genuine human form too not still kind of in performance mode as well it's this kind of lovely just lovely again I know I keep using words like warm and genuine and lovely but I think just anytime I go back to visit the UK it's just like medicine for the soul because again you're just surrounded by people that you love um one thing though that is less fun about going and hanging out with friends in bands is you always have to wait for them to pack up their stuff and so I was just kind of awkwardly stood in the bar downstairs I'd gone to the show alone and I ended up just leaning against a column and doing Duolingo for 30 minutes I'm trying to learn Italian um but yeah, uh, so new pro tip, if you are ever going to see a friend's band show and y'all are all going to drink after, um, download Duolingo. Um, if not, you just feel like a creep in the corner, just be like, no, really, I can be here. Those are my friends. It's fine. Um, or just staring at people. Anyway, you just feel slightly insane. It's, it's the one kind of bizarre downside to being friends with people in the music world, but Duolingo helps. And then you're learning, you're growing (laughs) and you feel a little less like, again, a crazy person in the corner of the bar. So that's that's my advice for you today. Um, otherwise, what else? 
Oh yeah, I I went to Paris for a night to go and see previous guests Flight and Half Moon Run play a show together. I'm going to talk to you about that one a little more next episode for for reasons wink wink nudge nudge um so just come back for that uh in a couple of weeks and you'll thank me later that that was a fun time and i have lots to say about it and what else i got to oh i got to go see my friends walt disco at a philosophy festival um which was interesting um, but we all got a good laugh out of it. And then a few weeks later, got to go see them again, opening for another previous guest of the podcast, Nation of Language. That was such a wonderful show to get to go to. Um, I mean, obviously they all were, as as I'm making very clear. But getting to, again, support friends, people that I think are just lovely, lovely human beings is great. But also, that was my final night of my two weeks in London. I was feeling really drained. I was, you know, like, as you do after spending several weeks running around, as much as you have a great time, you're exhausted. And I was just feeling burnt out. And me and the the gang from Walt Disco, we just spent the entire, the entirety of Nation of Language set dancing like complete and utter idiots in the back and like I said when I say that I needed that just to let go and be silly and just shake out oh like it was the best I I know like especially when you think of like you know people in the music world or even like whether that be music fans or artists like sometimes I don't know if you ever feel like you kind of have to be like too cool for school, especially in certain spaces, but fuck that, like, be an idiot, have the best goddamn time, look slightly insane at the back of, of the music venue with your friends, or at the front, doesn't matter, just do, like, again, I, I always preach this on this podcast, but music is meant to be something that you enjoy, that kind of fills your cup, and if it's something that you're not allowing yourself to do, when you're experiencing live music, just letting go and feeling it in whichever way you need to feel it, whichever way you need to experience it, then I don't know. You just deserve better than that. So that's my advice. Be silly. Have a great time. Um, yeah. I think on that note, we're going to start talking about Bombay Bicycle Club because they are this episode's guest. You know, I think anyone who knew me in high school would have expected me to have gotten or her like really like come across Bombay's music a long time ago but weirdly I kind of went a reverse route I got into Bombay Bicycle Club sort of through my love of South London jazz so as you may or may not know Jack Steadman the front man of Bombay Bicycle Club also has another project called Mr. Jukes and it's a jazz project him and his one of his collaborators Barney Artist were also on an episode of this podcast it was episode 30 one that I highly recommend listening to it'll give you two very different sides of the coin of how Jack creates music for Bombay Bicycle Club for Mr. Jukes but again when I started listening to Mr. Jukes, it was because he was collaborating with some of my favorite people in the South London jazz scene, namely uh, Joe Armand Jones, who's the keyboardist of Ezra Collective. He played on at least one track on his first record. And it's just got this sort of like 
delicious in the pocket groove but also like a I don't know just like a freedom or a very free feeling jam based sound to it that's very different from what Bombay Bicycle Club does and it was really again it was really cool to kind of hear that side of Jack feel the kind of I don't know just the freedom you feel listening to jazz music just because it's really just about what feels right in the moment and what comes to the musicians as they're jamming but through that I sort of came back around and started listening more to Bombay Bicycle Club I guess more now and their new record My Big Day is fantastic it does again really show um more the indie side of the way that Jack creates, the way that all of his bandmates create, but you can see the way that creatively he's kind of learned a little bit from from the Mr. Jukes project. We do talk about that shortly in the episode that you're going to listen to, but again, it was just really cool to see that the way that, you know, when someone goes and tries something different, it then goes back and shapes what they normally do, and it's it's so cool. And I I think coming back around also really gave me a very new, fresh appreciation for Bombay Bicycle Club as a band. They are just so fun. They have a vibrance to them, which weirdly I think is why I only got into them later because I'd say the large majority of indie that I was listening to when I was like 15 to 17 years old was kind of either the darker side of indie or the more folky side of indie. I don't know. It was a this was like the Tumblr times where like everyone wanted to be like all moody and, and shit. So I was more drawn to that. Not to say that music isn't incredible and I still love a lot of it dearly, but it just meant that I wasn't generally, not all the time, but generally as open, I guess, to the more vibrant side of indie, I guess. So now as an adult that I like happier things and I like sort of embracing more of those kind of quirks and that joy and again just joy for the sake of joy i think that the feeling that's conjured in bombay bicycle club's music just really hits me in a different way as an adult so i'm really happy to be kind of coming around to it now i think i i've connected to this music when i needed to connect to it i hope that you know you're going to connect to this record in the way that you need to connect to it, as same with any other record, but I think now is a great time to leave you with my conversation with Jack. It was absolutely wonderful to do. We got to do it in the Universal Music Building in London in a random conference room, but it was still fantastic. I, I don't care if I was in a conference room. It was great. Um, and yeah, I think with that, I'm going to leave you to it. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me again. Yeah, it's it's wonderful to see you. It's cool to get to talk to you about a different project. It's it'll be fun to kind of compare and contrast like different perspectives. Yeah, it's gonna feel weird without Barney in the room with this bubbly self. I know that was a fun one. I I still remember like just how excited he was about things, and that was just a joy to to get to be around. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's a gem. Well, um, we are now going to talk about your new record, which I have listened to over and over again, many a time. Nice. Um, part part because I was preparing for this, but part because it's actually, I mean, it's pretty damn good. That's good to hear. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you think so. I mean, there's also, obviously, you guys are great on it. There's so many features from people that yeah. I love. Also, I haven't seen, so I really like Jay Som, and I haven't seen, actually, do you know if Jay uses she or they pronouns? 
she she i thought so um yeah i it's nice to see her like working with i guess acts on this side of the pond because i haven't seen much crossover from her in the past no us too and um to be honest i think i can't remember who got in touch with who but we found out that we just like liked each other's music and it was so wholesome and we were like hey we got this song do you want to sing on it and she was stoked so I love it. Yeah. I mean, both of you guys have just like really great, like angular guitar riffs and stuff like that. So I just feel like sonically, it's just a, a gorgeous match. The best thing about her is that we kind of, we, we asked her to sing on the song. She ended up like co-producing it and like adding all this amazing stuff. She's the type of person you'll send her a song and the folder that she sends back is like got guitars and like all these ideas and she's incredible. I'd love to work with her again. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to see that happen. Well, I guess I'm going to start even more on like a bit of a higher level and then we'll kind of weave our way more into the record itself. As I do, you've been here before, you know how I am. Um, So, I mean, again, last time we spoke, we were talking a lot more about the creative process behind the Mr. Jukes record, which, you know, I mean, obviously working with a collaborator specifically, so Barney, but at the time you're saying I guess the way you worked on that record was very aligned with like the tradition of jazz. Like it's kind of coming together in a session, letting things flow really organically. Um, is it the same process with Bombay Bicycle Club? Has that maybe changed over the years too as you started to like blend and do different projects or? Curious. I wouldn't use the word like improvisation with the band in terms of like just getting in a room and seeing what happens. It's definitely like me just kind of coming up with an idea by myself and sending that to the guys. But I think in a way that works really well because because they're not so involved in that initial period, they can be completely like clear-minded and objective about criticizing it. And that's how we end up with 10 songs that I think are super strong because they can, you know, they're just listening to it in such a casual way because I just email it to them and they'll just be on the bus like, okay, I'll check it out. Whereas when a band is all together in a room writing I think because there's so much satisfaction when you're coming up with something like that it kind of can cloud your um your objectivity on whether it's actually great or not yeah um and I think that works for us and then the part where we do collaborate and it becomes a bit more like everyone in the room just kind of jamming is that kind of final 10% of the track like editing editing it and really like on this record more than any other one zooming in on stuff and seeing how much fat we can cut from it and even on this one like the lyrics that I was writing the other guys would be like oh this this one's just not as strong as the others and that's something that I would do with Barney and so maybe I've a bit like we were talking about you going on a podcast and being on the other end of the microphone I was kind of experiencing what Barney was when I was like Barney can you rewrite this be like oh do I have to I spent ages on that but you do just have to suck it up and you know make sure it's as good as possible Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're collaborating with anyone, there's an element of ego death that has to happen. Otherwise, it's just not going to fly. Yeah. Um, I guess with that, I'm going to start to, yeah, jump into the album more. I feel like this record has, and to be fair, like your music has always had this like frenetic energy, like a lot of these like vibrant riffs and like really like angular things. But there's something about this record, like there's so much of like a restlessness I find on a lot of the songs. Is that like by design or? I don't think so, but that's, I mean, that's a cool word to use. Yeah. I think maybe the album as a whole is quite restless and that it's very eclectic and it doesn't really, 
settle into one place and it i think the one thing we've been trying to do as we get further into our career as a band is just keep surprising people because especially for a guitar band that came up in like the late um noughties and tens it's very easy just to you know keep writing out those guitar indie bangers or whatever and um the one thing we want to do is just like subvert people's expectations of us so i think yeah it's a very eclectic album for sure yeah i i'd agree i think there's also like i was also thinking from a thematic perspective at least to me it feels a bit restless in that i'm going to use a a, a term that you hear a lot in theater which is kind of a quote-unquote like i want song so rather about singing about something that you have and Mm. like like for example like a love song or or whatever it's a lot of songs about like craving something that you don't have interesting yeah see this is the fun part in promoting an album where you like get really into like a therapy session because <laughs> none of that was intentional and I'd, i i haven't thought about that but now i'm going to go and listen to the album and, and be enlightened by that that <laughs> honestly i found it really interesting i don't think don't think i'm very good at like you know setting out okay let's try and like do this theme on this track um and it, it a lot of the time when I'm writing lyrics, it's what words fit musically. Mm-hmm. So when I'm demoing, I'll be mumbling. Yeah. And just in a way, when you do that, you, you naturally find a rhythm to syllables that fits the music and the kind of, yeah, you're kind of doing a solo almost. Um, and interestingly, when uh, I worked with Damon on a song, mm-hmm. I found out it's exactly the same with him because mm-hmm. he was writing and he was just kind of singing all these words. And the final lyrics that he wrote uh, were based off that so we it's exactly the same thing it's more of like a stream of consciousness thing I, I think yeah I always wonder with that kind of stuff and I think that I'm guessing the answer is kind of a combination of the two like when people whether it be myself or fans or whatever kind of clock these sort of things mm-hmm. like if it kind of ever ends up being a matter of more like oh that's a cool way to interpret it or if it's more like a oh maybe this was something that was kind of at the back of my mind that just sort of came out and I didn't realize it exactly, yeah. like do you find that it's more often one or the other a bit of both what do you think yeah no honestly I'm gonna go and listen to it and think hard like maybe this was in the background somehow but it's funny because when I think about it just briefly now I don't think I'm I think I'm in a place where I'm quite happy and I don't I'm not like missing or desiring too much quite settled at the moment so maybe it's, it's just your interpretation. Maybe it is. I remember I did um, an interview a while ago with Benny Sings and he's like married. He's got, I think, three kids. Like his life is very settled, right? Um, but so many of his songs are about unrequited love or, you know, like very like young love and stuff like that. And they have that sort of tension and that quirk to them. Um, but I think for him, it's, I mean, for him, it's really like, this is just what's fun to write about. And I think to some degree, it's escapism for him because it's so different from yeah, his sure, life. Sure. But yeah. It could be it. You know, I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to be the type of person to write a song about how happy and settled my life is because mm-hmm. that's so uninteresting to me. So yeah, perhaps that's it. Yeah. I mean, some people do it well, but I feel like it's, again, a lot of people don't seem to want to write about that, I guess. Yeah, I think- I definitely think musically are so maybe this fits in with the words musically are our songs often have like a longing kind of vibe to them and mm-hmm. people often say it sounds like the end of summer where you're a bit like you're missing something that's just happened and you're feeling a bit sentimental and uh, 
maybe a bit uh, nostalgic for something that you can't put your finger on. Mm-hmm. I think that's definitely been a theme of our music a lot and perhaps lyrically too. Oh yeah, I mean like that was half of my notes were really that like I want to be your only pet. I mean, even though like I can totally hear how it's like it just kind of matches like deliciously with the melody. Mm. There's also like it made me think of like the lyrics of like the cure on like kiss me, kiss me, kiss me. Like it's very like I need this, you know, yeah, like yeah. it's that sort of feverish. Well, I can tell you about that lyric. Well, I mean, that was 100% stream of consciousness just writing the song and putting down the idea and it, and those were the words that came out of my mouth but it made me think of um the shins mm. and there's one of my favorite lines was um turn me back into the pet i was when we met i was happier then with no mindset and it always resonated with me I, I think in my relationship i'm a bit of a pushover and that that lyric spoke to me because it it sums up that feeling of you know what there's less baggage on me being the pushover because i can just be like all right fine no worries whereas the other person sometimes there's a lot weighed down on them in that guilt or like, am I being too unreasonable? Or like being like the the alpha in this relationship. I don't know. That's no, I love that. As an overthinker myself, sometimes like, and I'm not, I, I don't know what your position on like the, the experience of overthinking is, but I know for someone like me, that idea of not having to be in control sometimes, yeah, exactly. it's nice. It's, it's great. You, yeah, you just get to chill. Yeah. Chilling, what a concept. Something I wish I did more. Um, this is why I'm in therapy. But, um, but yeah, kind of like I, we were saying a bit about like longing, like even like sleepless, like feels like, you know, not being able to sleep because you're missing someone. And I mean, I did go back through like lyrics from past records. And again, like you said, it's it's a theme that comes up. But I feel like it's also just a fun theme to write about. Like it's it's that like pulling feeling that we have. And I think something about it draws us in too as a listener you know for sure i mean i can't take any credit for those words because that was biba doobie who i'm not sure if you're familiar I with familiar. Uh, we co-wrote that song together um which was really cool um but yeah a lot of our songs are about sleep for some reason oh. I mean, I just love sleeping perhaps this is very true i mean it made me laugh that there was a song called sleepless which is just like full-blown insomnia and then later in my big day it's like i'm just yeah. sleeping lightly i'm not stressed about anything i'm probably a bit high yeah. like yeah, that song is definitely like thematically the peak of the record for sure oh, that yeah. sums up where i'm at right now just, just chilling you know <laughs> not a care in the world i love that for you and i'm really happy that you've reached that point in your life yeah, I I loved that one and I it kind of has my big day it I can't tell if it's a song that gives absolutely zero fucks or if it's trying to pretend that it's giving zero fucks or some weird combination of the two. But I'd love your thoughts on that. No, I don't think I'd like to think it's not giving any fucks. It's definitely as I grow older, you definitely care less about what other people think and I think it's a celebration of that and that nothing represents that more than when it's your birthday and you think oh god i gotta do all this stuff and make it all about me and then as you get older you're just like well i'm just gonna sit at home and smoke loads of weed fuck it like it's my day no one can tell me what to do exactly yeah and i also think i i don't know what your experience is with this but like with a birthday or like a big event of some kind i always feel like i have to make some kind of big deal out of it and like make an experience even for myself not just necessarily for other people and so i love this song kind of being like the antithesis of that is like again i'm gonna do fucking nothing today yeah, yeah. yeah we needed a song about that exactly
See, sometimes we you can write about being satisfied and it can be really fun. Yeah, that's the one time maybe. <laughs> there you go. Well, good job. You did it. One of the songs, like, even though I know, like, there is sort of like either like the more wrestling vibe and these kind of like more playful elements on this record, there are some really tender moments. Like, I hear something like turn the world on. Oh, yeah. That one feels a little more like warm, like... I thought it was like almost like talking to your younger self or talking to someone younger in your life. Yeah, so it's the first song I've written about my son, who's two. He turned two uh, on Wednesday. Um, And I didn't plan on doing this. I always wondered when he was born, because it was a while ago now. It's like, am I going to start writing songs about him? For the most part, I didn't. But for some reason, when I started playing that guitar part, I just thought of him. And I thought, fuck it, let's try it. It's like a new experience for me being so earnest in a way Um, and we we just released it and uh, I've been so just uh, yeah the reaction has been so wholesome in a way that's made me really happy that I did write the song lots of people reaching out more than ever really because maybe I mean maybe we've never written about something so specific and finally you know people are like oh man that really has um, resonated with me and my own dad actually it was this really nice moment where we hadn't even recorded it yet and he came around the studio to like pick up some keys or something and I, I said hey do you want to listen to a new song and I turned around and there was like it was kind of welling up a bit and I was like holy shit okay <laughs> like that's never happened before Aww. but that's that kind of inspired me to like finish it and put it on the record well I'm glad you did I mean obviously like fatherhood is not an experience i will have or ever have had will ever have because i am you know a cisgender female um but there is i I weirdly really love songs about fatherhood like one of my favorite songs of all time is i'll still destroy you by the national and even though there's an element of it that deals with like substances and coping there's also like a, a verse in it or a few lines that are about like that one's more the anxiety of fatherhood whereas this one kind of feels more like just wanting to like tell someone about the life that they're about to have and like Mm. wanting to see them be happy but i don't know maybe maybe there's just like a beauty and just i don't know if it's like a traditional gender role stereotype thing of like not getting to see men express that to the same degree but i don't know there's just a particular beauty to me when it's like men writing about their experience of fatherhood it's a funny story happened actually and with the day it was released I, I woke up with a notification of a text from my dad and so you know when you read it when it's just in the notifications you haven't actually opened it yet yeah. so I'm glancing at it and it's this very emotional message about um, you know oh uh, finally expressing something that we couldn't do with normal words and all stuff and I was like oh my god my dad's writing me this emotional message and then I actually open it and below he says, I just got this text from my friend Dan, who's like, you know, another like dad friend of his. And he's written it to my dad about my song. Aww. But it was a very sweet message saying, you know, kind of what you touched upon, like maybe it is a bit of a gender stereotype, but a lot of dads and just men in general do find it a bit difficult to talk about stuff like that. And I think this text was saying, you know, how lucky to be able to have an outlet where you can do that. Yeah. Um, but in a way, it kind of has opened up this conversation between me and my dad. And yeah, it's been a it's been a nice couple of weeks. I love that. So it's kind of almost worked in, in both directions, like yeah. just two relationships of father and, and son. I think because we're kind of in the sort of soppier space, 
I, I kind of actually want to jump over to diving because mm. there's something, I don't know if this is what it is, but it felt like a, like a celebration of like camaraderie and like mm. jumping into something with other people. Yeah. And I really liked that. So I'm wondering if that's correct or, or not, but yeah. hundred percent. I mean, and it's, it's maybe I was lying when I said that was the first thing I wrote about my kid, because maybe having a kid has made me think about my childhood a lot. And that's as diving is just a song about that feeling when you'd break up from school and have a summer ahead of you and how anything was possible and like going out to, with your friends, you know, finding a place where you can like jump off a rock into a pool, like a little lake and yeah, innocence and freedom and just that, that wonderful time where, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't have school for a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's definitely like a very like warm feeling song. Like like I said, it you can feel almost that camaraderie. I initially almost read it of like du- jump like a like again, this is me sharing my interpretation stuff, like jumping into a creative project together with people mm-hmm. and that sort of jump into the void, but but also having that kind of feeling like you said like jumping into a pool in the summer and I almost put those two ideas together in my head, but again, this this is why I like doing this because I love like getting to read things and interpret them the way that I do. Yeah. But then I also like knowing the original idea and and kind of allowing those two things to coexist is really, at least to me, is really fun. Yeah, for me, it's like that's it's almost like a memory that now has maybe didn't even happen in my life, but I can almost imagine that it did. Yeah. You know, that it's more of a feeling than an actual concrete memory. Yeah. Um, I feel like we've seen it in film so many times too. That like just like that montage in a film where they're yeah. running through the fields. Did that happen in like Stand by Me or something like? Yeah. That? Probably, right? No, I just get really stoned and watch Stand by Me, and I was like, yeah. And now we have diving featuring Holly Humberstone. You should listen to it. <laughs> this is how we we got here. Um, I think on the topic of of collaboration, because like the little bit we've touched on, like with like Sleepless from Jason and Heaven with Damon Albarn, like it sounded like as as it would like those collaborative processes were were different but do you like when you go into a collaboration with other people do you come in with like anything that like either some kind of prompt or something that you want to specifically work on or do you go in more with a blank slate is it a combination like especially like for this record in particular i think for the most part i do have a pretty good idea of what i want and you know even sometimes like it's all just written and we just need like a, a texture and it's like a, a sound thing rather than a someone to co-write with but um with Damon I mean that that was just me playing him the album and saying hey what do you think and then rather than give feedback on that song he was like oh, let's give me a microphone let me just sing on it which I thought was hilarious um so yeah it depends like I said someone like Jason um like finish the song for us which was amazing and then sometimes yeah sometimes it's already all done so kind of just flexible to whatever is sort of meant to happen i guess with it yeah it definitely used to be a hundred percent already written and i'd be like this is what you're doing and i feel like i want full control of this and i think more recently maybe through doing my solo stuff and just collaborating with more people i've kind of calmed down a bit with that and realized that great things can happen when you go into the unknown and yeah. it took a while for me to get there maybe it's just I'm scared of of it not working out and so by preparing in advance you kind of tell yourself that it's all going to be fine and that's kind of the exciting thing about 
playing more improvised music and doing that solo project and working with jazz musicians a lot is overcoming that fear of, of the unknown and yeah. you know just walk into a room with nothing written down I feel like that's half the point of jazz like it's so yeah. based on freestyle and going in a direction that you weren't ever expecting it to go that yeah it seems like if there's any space that would be like a kind of school for that if you will that would be it totally and that was great for me because I was the opposite of that I was I hated the yeah I always in all aspects of my life would like compartmentalize stuff and be like this is how it's going to be done and if I do this it will lead to that and so yeah it's been a good life lesson yeah that's always a welcome one well I think the next place I want to go still kind of on the topic of of collaboration because we basically touched on every collaborative track on this record except for one which is meditate with Nila Fryanya, someone whose music I love very much. Um, also, she's like such a great fit for this song. I think it plays yeah. like into that kind of like sharp feeling of her music. But one, and again, I know we said like some of these songs are m- much more like thematically like on purpose. Others kind of took the shape that they were made to take. But one thing I love about this song is that this the lyrics of the chorus like sound like they should be very like serene and like yogi like like i'm like floating above all of it and yet it's again it's very frantic and very like and then of course like the the verses are very different as well i thought that was like really cool again is that one where it was just like it kind of matched the vibe or was it just kind of fun to play with that that was definitely one where and this doesn't always happen even though bands might say that it does as soon as it was written we thought of her mm-hmm. um it was like like we we had just played a show with her and I was getting to know her music and I was like she needs to be on this track because the lyrics when I sung them I tried to pull this off but I couldn't really do it where I was trying to be a bit cool about it and blasé and I think the idea was you know you can you can do whatever you want you can insult me you can punch me and I'm just gonna turn the other cheek and be very zen but not in like a chilled out kind of like retreat way but more like a fierce way like like if you can manage to do that then you're incredibly powerful um and i didn't really pull it off in terms of the vocal delivery right i didn't sound you know sounded a bit forced and the way that she sings it is just so cool her voice and her whole vibe um that yeah she was she was perfect for that track oh yeah she's so fucking cool it's like just everything she does like you said it kind of oozes that like yeah like I got this. Yeah. You know, like, it's, it doesn't bother me what you say. Like I'm just gonna close my eyes and meditate and I'll be cool. Yeah. And uh and we knew that she was such a great guitarist as well. We thought that outro like we did it live with her recently and yeah. she's just shredding at the end and yeah. It's so fun to play that with her. Uh, I can I can only imagine. I think we we've jumped around quite a bit, but I think I'm gonna as I often do, go to the end track. I, I sometimes do this where I totally flip the order of the internal tracks, but I often not every time, but I often like to close with a closing track just because it, by its nature, feels kind of conclusive. Yeah, yeah. And I loved the line on this where all the kindest and the meanest and the brightest and the deepest are. Mm. Like, it felt very, I mean, existential for sure, but yeah. I don't know. It's, I like things that embrace how complicated we are as people. And I feel like that just, I mean, it hit the nail on the head, you know? Yeah, I think it's quite an existential record, thinking about it. And this is probably the the peak of that. We're all dying. We're all the kindest, the meanest. Um, I don't know. Yeah, what can I say? I guess it's just being 33. You start, start to think about that kind of stuff. 
Yeah. I mean, that doesn't seem that old, but definitely oh. creeping up. My Big Day is available now wherever you normally get your music. This podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by myself, Sophia Lopercaro, and the artwork is by Meg Wilford. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.